Hello and welcome to another episode of the Rainmakers Fantasy Golf Show presented by DraftKings Rainmakers. And man, we've got a heck of a show on uh, on deck for us today. Going to walk through the Colonial. I'm going to tilt my face off a little bit about Tony Finau. We're going to get into the Memorial, which is another incredibly stacked field, elevated event. But first, TJ is going to tell us some exciting news that's been in the works for a little bit of time. So TJ, how's it going? interested and excited to get into some news that we're going to bring to the people ahead of the episode here today yeah great great long weekend hope everyone had a good memorial day weekend for those of you that celebrate in the u.s another fun golf tournament with miliano grillo taking it down in the playoff i know we'll we'll get into some of your tilt i don't even know too too much about it other than you're tilted so that's always a good time but as coop said did want to start the show with just a a quick kind of new new product announcement so over the course of this week, we are going to be launching our new brand, Blitz Fantasy, which is our suite of pack-based fantasy sports games. Uh, so some people may be familiar with those, with some of the best ball games and the madness game and such that we have done in the past. And so we'll have more information coming on that this Thursday at our town hall. Highly recommend you attend that in the Discord. But right now, the first game that we have called golf pick'em is available for this weekend's tournament for the memorial so just a quick kind of uh recap of how this game works you open up a pack in each pack there's going to be 20 golfers and so prior to the creation of the packs all of the golfers are split into four tiers based on the tournament odds and so you have tier one which will contain the 10 best golfers then tier two contains the next 15 and then tier three and four contain 25 golfers each respectively. So you open up your pack, you'll have five golfers from each tier. And then within each of those tiers, you simply pick the three golfers out of the five that you want. That then becomes your 12 golfer lineup. You then get automatically entered into the contest. Scoring is the exact same as DraftKings scoring. So you just kind of open up your pack, set it, sweat the teams over the weekend. Should be a lot of fun. Packs are available for purchase right now for 99 gold each. And then 100% of the gold that gets spent on pack purchases goes back into the prize pool. So you can go on over to the OTM website, otmnft.com slash blitz fantasy. You'll see packs for sale there. You can head on over to the cashier and purchase gold if you not, do not have any already. There are going to be no monthly management fees on gold for at least another three months. So you just have to, to pay the, the purchase fee in order to get that gold into your account. And then you can go ahead, start opening some packs and uh, have a, another way to sweat the golf this weekend. So again, we're going to get into more details of this during the town hall and also for the remainder of the week and really the remainder of the summer because we've got a ton planned, but did just want to touch on that at the top of the show in case any of our golf heads out there are are looking to get some more action, some more skin in the game. R really pumped. Uh, Coop, Neil, and I have been playing these contests in the background and the golf format I think is really fun and uh, nice, simple way. And uh, yeah, uh, I hope everyone enjoys it and pumped to have the community out there playing some more games. So excited for all things Blitz Fantasy, especially golf pick'em. I mean, I love the modern take on 
you know, the updated take, the modern take on fantasy sports and golf as a game continues to be growing. And I'm just so excited for uh, a different way to play golf fantasy, because I think this game is definitely unique to itself and it's been a lot of fun already. So an awesome pack opening experience, which we know everyone loves. And then you get into your strategic decision-making, which in golf, if you've been playing Rainmakers, you know there are tons of strategic decisions each and every week. Even if you've been out there jamming the top of the odds boards, you're definitely not always taking home the top prize. And you certainly sometimes, uh, if you're like myself, you're, uh, you're, you're not even getting all your guys through the cut at times. So, uh, yeah, excited for all things Blitz Fantasy and Golf Pick'em. It's going to be an awesome, awesome ride. So head on over there. Uh, grab your memorial packs. And like TJ said, got a lot of golf of, uh, ahead of us the rest of the summer, uh, actually the rest of the calendar year. So it should be a fun time and interested to hear your all experience uh, and let us, let us know what you think about the game. Anything else we want to cover? blitz fantasy or golf pick them before we jump into the colonial recap teach no i think that's mostly it we're treating the, this tournament the memorial and then probably next weekend as well the rbc heritage as kind of our our soft launch and then we have the u.s open coming up so that's going to be a bit more of our our bigger push so get out there get some packs give us any thoughts feedback on the game and uh yeah now let's jump into some rainmakers Love it. If you're uh, out there listening on audio, jump over into the Wednesday show tomorrow. I'll uh, I'll have an overview and I'll be able to click through some of the golf pick'em stuff and things like that to give you guys a good view. But uh, we'll we'll take a look at some of that tomorrow. But yeah, let's get into it. Colonial, uh, Colonial Country Club, the Charles Schwab Challenge. I thought was an awesome golf tournament, and we we were talking about this behind the scenes uh, before the show. These golf tournaments that finish minus seven minus eight minus 10 11 i think just they put on such a different type show than the birdie fest that get up to 20 22 24 under par it's fun to watch guys make birdies but man when when the golfers struggle a bit when you need to get your ball up and down for par when every five six seven foot putt matters um it just produces a lot more dramatic effects uh, in terms of the golf for me at least and uh interested in you know what your what your thought is on these golf tournaments that have found a way to not be birdie fests and force these golfers to make some some key decisions in their round and trying to figure out how just to make par and be happy with that yeah definitely i i prefer the more difficult challenges it's not it's not too often that we see a single digit winner um, which, you know, th this is probably going to be one of the quote unquote worst winning scores that, that we'll see all year. But I, I do think it's it's a much more entertaining viewing experience. Just seeing golfers have to make different shots, have to, like you said, get up and down to save par when they need to, as opposed to some of these tournaments that just become a pure birdie fest, pure putting contest, essentially where, you know, guys are shooting 20 under. What, what was the tournament last year where John Rahm called something a effing putting contest or something like that? So I, I share sentiment with John Rahm when it comes to the, the course setup. And, you know, I, I do, don't get me wrong. I think it's good to have a variety, right? Like you don't want every single tournament, every single course to be playing the same way. But um, yeah, I think in general, especially with a lot of the, the smaller events, they do tend to lean more towards birdie fest than towards the difficult tests. I, I love the, the setup at colonial thought it was a fun tournament. Um, you know, had, had Harry hall who I had literally never heard of leading the entire way, which was also a unique thing. You had, of course, Scotty Scheffler 
almost backdooring his way into a playoff and a potential victory, getting an ace on Sunday. Lots of different things that were happening. Um, not a Rainmakers player, but Ricky Fowler with another top 10. He's been playing some awesome golf all year, which I think is is just good for the sport in general. Victor Hovland was in the mix and then had a, a bit of a blow up on Sunday. I'm actually not even I – I don't even know exactly what the heck happened to him. I just remember seeing at one point they showed him shooting, and he was minus two, and I was like, oh, he was like minus seven before that. So, yeah, lot, lots of good stuff going on. And then a uh, nice stacked field for the Memorial coming up, which should also be a, a another tough test. The Memorial, always one of the more difficult challenges throughout the uh, PGA calendar year each year. Yeah, definitely. Let, let's let's recap like the, the end of Sunday because it was one. I was in the car driving home from a, a Memorial Day weekend wedding and was listening to PGA Tour radio and never never made my wife sit through eight hours of PGA Tour radio. But uh, we did it. We successfully kept it on the radio the entire way home. So that was that was fun. I like couldn't wait to watch like the end of the golf tournament because I was so confused about what happened to Grillo, uh, Grillo, sorry, on uh, on 18. I mean, on the radio, they're just talking about his ball being in this little like runoff of water and it just not moving or, or not stopping for what seemed like, I don't know, 20 minutes on the radio. It was a ended long up, time. Yeah, ended up being like it was a five-minute ordeal where his ball wouldn't come to rest, ended up taking a penalty drop uh, had a two-shot lead going into the hole, blocked his drive 45 yards right into this water runoff, takes a penalty drop, makes double bogey, brings Adam Shank back into the mix, brings Harry Hall back into the mix, and then Hall goes, blows a drive 350 yards into the water on 18, and Shank, I mean, Shank has a 15-footer on the 18th green to win. It just felt like it was something that was going to happen. It felt like it was his time. Shank has been, you know, playing really good golf. He was looking for his first win, and we were kind of getting that drama. He just misses the putt, and then they go to playoff. And I got to talk about the playoff um, after seeing kind of what happened. The news on Twitter was that, you know, on Colonial Country Club, the range is, I guess, like a 10-minute uh, venture to get to their range. So you end up warming up on number one tee, basically the only time you're hitting shots on the actual golf course and warming up. And there was a lot of tweets initially of this before I saw video where Grio had invited two kids to come up and hit a few shots. And I was just kind of confused without the video evidence, but it was true. In fact, he invites two kids that he just, you know, randomly sees over there. He had already sort of hit his shots. They come over, they hit a few shots. He's literally getting ready to play a playoff. Hasn't won on the PGA tour in seven plus years. And I mean, you couldn't have been a more in the moment type of like experience for him to do that out of nowhere. Um, and then goes into battle with Shank on the 18th. They both have roughly like 30 footers uh, to make birdie. Both of them miss, uh, make pars. And then on, they go to the 16th hole. Grio hits an incredible shot, gets an awesome bounce, hits it to five feet. And then Shane kind of blows it over top, but hits an incredible chip to make Grio forcing him to make that five footer. 
uh, to win it. And he does uh, to capture his second victory. Um, so pretty fun ending of the tournament there. But yeah, it was it was crazy kind of listening to all of that stuff on radio and then trying to piece it together uh, after the fact. But just an insane, a bizarre finish to a pretty fantastic golf tournament. Shank is going to get his first win. The guy's just been playing really, really strong golf. And uh, he's going to get that win at some point in time, I think. But pretty cool to see a guy you know, wait seven years after his first victory, which I guess came four days after he was technically a PGA tour member, got his, got his tour card and won four days later, uh, after his first tournament and then wait seven years to come back and, and win at colonial, which is, you know, a country club and a place that has history and golf and just really cool to see that happen. And yeah, the, the, the story of the week, in my opinion, was kind of just this, this chalk was, was sort of fading. If you took guys at the top of the board, many of them missed the cut. Finau was the guy for me that really kind of made me struggle in rainmakers, had him in my best, uh, elite lineup, had Grillo in that lineup as well, but had Finau as my captain and still only finished 65 points, 66 points out of first. So it was a little bit of a tilting weekend for me, always thinking about what would have been, but finished 58th in that tournament. And it was fun. Had Scheffler. Uh, yeah. Give us your Scotty Scheffler take, because I mean, the guy is kind of just an, I mean, he's just an insane golfer at this point in time. Nobody's hitting it better, but the guy is backdooring T5s, T2s, T3s. If the guy could putt, uh, he'd win golf tournaments by 10 shots, I feel like. Oh, absolutely. He lost 4.6 strokes putting this past weekend. So what? If you add four strokes onto, onto his score, he, he wins by three. And like that's just if he's even putting. If what, yeah. what if he putts well? What if he gains four strokes putting? Then he's winning the tournament by five-plus strokes. Yeah, I mean, he's just hitting the ball as well as we've basically ever seen anyone hit the golf ball. And, you know, and he's one of the best chippers in the game. Like he is amazing with the short game. We've seen it time and time again. We've seen him hole out with chips in big moments. He's just really struggling to find the putter. Now, another thing that that I've been saying a bit, too, is, is when you're putting yourself in that good a position all the time, there's really nowhere to go but down with the putter. Right. Especially with how like the strokes gained stats work. If you have a eight to 12 footer on every hole, like you're, it's going to look like you're losing strokes putting relative to the field because you're two putting from eight feet when other people are two putting from 30 feet. Right. So there is certainly some bias there. We're like just looking at the stats. And it's also, I mean, you watch him putt. It's not like he's missing the hole entirely. I mean, he's close on these putts. So yeah, I, I would not be surprised to see. Scotty go on another run like he did last year where he's winning four tournaments in a, in a two month period and having some where he's just going to blow away the field because I mean, he, he can do everything and just like, just such a just naturally good at golf is basically how you describe Scotty Scheffler. Like, you know, he doesn't have the picture perfect swing. He doesn't have the like picture perfect build that you would expect in a golfer. He's just like really good at golf. And uh, when he makes putts, he's going to win tournaments. And yeah, I mean, it's so tough. We go back and forth every week on the who's the best golfer in the world, John Romer, Scotty Scheffler. And it's hard not to say Scotty right now, right? But then who knows? This week, John Rom could come out and win the Memorial. And then we're going to be on this podcast saying John Rom's the best golfer in the world. So it's not even really worth debating. They're both just amazing. 
at golf and uh, a pleasure to watch them every week. It is crazy watching Scotty swing the golf club. If you were kind of just a casual golf fan, if you were just aware of how good Scotty Scheffler was and you saw his swing, you might feel like there's three or four holes that go by and you might be like, is this guy's cleats working? Why is his feet doing what his feet are doing? And just to see him replicate that swing in and swing out and to see him gaining so many strokes with every club, except for the flat stick is, is totally insane. You know, some perspective on putting, uh, he gained, he loses four strokes putting, like you said. Grio gained seven strokes, almost seven and a half strokes putting this week. So Scotty lost to Grio by eleven strokes on the greens this week, and minus eight wins the tournament. What minus eight gets you into the? I guess it was minus nine technically because it took a birdie to win it, but you know minus eight wins a tournament. I mean, it's totally insane what the guy is doing with every club in the bag except the putter. It, it is totally totally insane. Gained fifteen strokes. Uh, uh, this week uh, on approach. And I mean, just absolutely insane, the statistics there, but it does seem like, and I said this question of the day last week on the Wednesday show was, could you win Rainmakers golf tournaments without Scotty Scheffler? And pretty damn hard to do so. He needed him whenever he's going to backdoor a top three, a top four, a top five, a top 10. I mean, at this point, a top 20 is kind of Scotty's worst outcome. His ceiling is so high. And his floor is so high. It is just incredible. Uh, that He hasn't you know, finished worse than 12th since October. Yeah. I mean, I mean, L- I mean, I just look at this and, insane. and okay. And all right. So let's, let's, there was one 45th in there, but let's go back to August, which was the last time he missed the cut. And then his finishes from there are three, Two forty-five, three nine, seven, eleven, one, twelve, four, one, ten, eleven, five, two, three. I mean, absolutely ridiculous. The model of insane. It's like it's like actually better than I like. I would have guessed that it was really good, and it's it's actually better than I would have just kind of blindly guessed that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, t- totally not. Sorry. He gained 15 strokes T to green, not, not on approach. He gained, uh, he gained six, almost seven on approach, but 15 total strokes T to green minus four and a half putting. Like you said, I mean, just, just totally, totally insane. Uh, so it, it, it is wild. Uh, if you're out there playing rainmakers, fantasy golf, you, you got to find a way to get yourself one of Rom or Scheffler. And if you have the ability to get both, I mean, definitely want both. Um, but it's going to be really tough to take down these tournaments without Scheffler when his model of consistency over the course of six plus months is a top 10 at worst. It, it's just, just totally, totally insane. So I happen to add myself uh, a Scheffler rare this past week, feel pretty good about it. So if you're in the game, uh, you know, you're, you're looking for a true anomaly in terms of Scheffler missing the cut or even getting anywhere damn close to the cut line. You you need something drastic to happen. And, and I'm sure if we rattled off Rom's statistics, maybe there's a little bit less consistency, but the end result is Rom probably has just as much winning equity, if not a little bit more winning equity because of how strong his game is throughout the entire bag versus Scotty's right now. So, you know, those two guys are, you know, every week I, uh, I wrote, write the Tuesday article and I have to put the obligatory sentence of, if you have John Rahm or Scotty Scheffler and they're in the field, you put them into your lineup and you put them into captain spot because overthinking it is you what you're to. doing if you're doing anything else other than that. Yeah, it's um, kind of like, you know, in, in hindsight, I mean, it's easy to say now, but, you know, even thinking ahead towards the rest of this season and, and next season, <laughs> like I think I think we're seeing something different with Scotty and Rahm right now that we haven't seen 
in a while, like arguably since Tiger. And now granted, it's, it's just been one year. But at this point, they're both over like a two full year sample size of that consistency. Because kind of what we've mostly seen is guys have flashes where for three months or six months or maybe a year, right? They're firing on all cylinders. But I don't know that we've seen this level of consistency, not only weekend to weekend, but year to year at this point. And my kind of original or like baseline philosophy on golf is that the variance is extremely high and anything can happen on any given week. But I think Scheffler and Rahmer are, are disproving that in a way that, that they kind of deserve to be in a tier of their own in terms of that consistency and in terms of really the need to have them in your collection in Rainmakers Golf if you if you want to take this seriously and you want to have a chance to win. I think I saw someone say it in Discord at one point, but they're, they, I think they had bought a Scotty Scheffler and they were just like, it's so much fun to be with Scheffler than against him, right? Otherwise, you're going to find yourself you know, two, three weeks uh, every month, just like looking at the leaderboard and being annoyed that Scheffler's in the top five again. You're yeah, better off just spending the money and have, having the guy in your collection. Yeah, that's true. I, I think you need some elite golfers in your collection to really like win, win and get the best sweats out of Rainmakers. And like you said, there's a very clear tier of their own that is John Rahm and Scotty Scheffler. So if you're playing consistently, if you're neat, if you're wanting to get the you know, sweats out of this, I think the investment is certainly worth it because we still have two majors ahead of us. We still have plenty of elevated events ahead of us. We still have the entire FedEx Cup playoffs ahead of us. Scotty Scheffler and John Rahm are going to be battling for the FedEx Cup playoffs this year. That's just the facts. And I would not be shocked if it came down to those two guys on the back nine at Eastlake in Atlanta in a very, very top heavy, um, top heavy uh, DraftKings Rainmakers event, because I believe there will only be like 30 or 40 golfers in that field. You're there are going to be people that have Rom and Scheffler. And if you want to win that tournament, you're going to want to have at least one of those guys, if not both of them. Cause so. they're going to get the strokes lead heading into Correct. that too. Right. Correct. Like, yeah. So it's like, not only, would they be the favorite in the field straight up, but they're going to be coming in with a, an advantage for anyone that's maybe not familiar with how the FedEx cup works in that final tournament. The basically based on where you're ranked, you kind of start with a quote unquote head start where, you know, Scheffler or Rahm are starting at, I don't know, eight under or 10 under and other yeah, guys are starting at one under, start at 10 like under a little, okay. the leader. Will yeah. start, I think it's, it's like, basically it tears out like, uh, by the, by the top 20 or so. And everyone sort of is like within a stroke or two after that. So, I mean, you're, you're, you, you need to finish at the top of the FedEx cup playoff, uh, or start top, sorry, at top of the FedEx cup rankings. And that's why that will matter. And, and it will matter for finishing position, most likely for that tournament in terms of fantasy scoring. It won't really, they won't get credit for 10 birdies or anything like that, but it will matter in terms of the finishing position for that event so it'll be very very interesting to see what happens um and then you know as i said you needed a, a shuffler to win these contests you needed a shuffler or you need to have basically the stone cold nuts which if i look at war prider and war prider's fourth entry in that elite contest he had emiliano grio and adam shank uh both in his lineup 6.8 percent ownership for grio 3.7 percent ownership for adam shank and he also has a mark hubbard that had zero ownership it was probably the only lineup that plays mark hubbard finishes t ninth and finishes it off with mav mcneely and aaron rye both who make the cut both who play the entire weekend 
They play relatively good. Aaron Rye finishes T12. Uh, McNeely finishes a little further down the board, plus uh, plus three for a T52. But still good enough when you have you know the top two guys who go into a playoff. You need literally the top two, three guys to win when you don't have somebody like Scheffler is going to be really high on. So really, really nice team for Warprider. Um, and a f- really fun sweat th- this weekend. I didn't. Uh, I didn't. Yeah, no, I noticed every... Hubbard. Hubbard shot sixty nine four times, and I believe he was the only one to get the four rounds under seventy bonus. Oh, good call. Yeah, I didn't actually see that. Yeah, so that that's why it makes sense that he like jumped up from a DraftKings store- scoring standpoint and would be like in the optimal. Yeah, and the the leader had Hubbard as captain, so instead of getting five points, mm-hmm. gets seven and a half points yeah. for the four round under seventy bonus. So yeah, that the little bit of a nuance there with how DraftKings scoring works and the all all rounds under seventy really unless it's a mega birdie fest or unless it's a par 70 golf course, that's usually when they, you know, these things come into play par 70. If you stay under par each and every round, which was quite difficult to do on Saturday and Sunday, but Hubbard managed to shoot minus one, minus one, uh, actually shoots minus one every day of the tournament, which is uh hashtag nice. If you're out there as a 69 fan, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's uh, how you take down these tournaments is you have a, a leverage play off of Scotty and you happen to hit, you know, three guys in the, in the top five, basically from that standpoint. So pretty, pretty nice lineup from war Prider. Anything else that stuck out to you in terms of golfers or things that you wanted to, to hit on besides the Scotty breakdown and what we saw from everyone else in the field. Not so much from a, a golf standpoint, been was looking at the, the marketplace a bit. We had some more packs come out next week. So I think, I believe we've seen some, uh, some more deals out there now or some some cheaper prices because as expected you introduce new supply prices are going to come down as a result so i think you know it, it presents a good opportunity especially ahead of this tournament this weekend to to add some new guys to your collection with the memorial being a designated event with the US Open coming up two more majors beyond the U.S. Open, or uh, I guess what the U.S. Open and the Open, so two more majors left to play, FedEx Cup. Um, you know, I, I imagine we're going to we're gonna hit that tipping point soon of where it becomes tough to, to invest in the marketplace just because of the fewer tournaments remaining. But I think at this current point in time, there's still plenty of meat on the bone and, you know, we're really in in the heat of things right now. And, um, you know, I think we're, we've also seen the game play out a bit here. We we know it's not it's certainly not easy to win. And uh, so, yeah, it's just a good time where as you're comfortable and as you see fit to to be checking out the marketplace or just deciding that that you don't want to. But, um, yeah, just wanted to touch on on marketplace stuff a little bit, because I think some of the. You know, so, but, but at the same time, like there's still, you know, people that have Ro- Scotty and Rom, like they just don't want to sell them. Right. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. So I don't know that you're ever going to get like a true deal on those guys, but it also could just be like, you know what? Any price on those guys is a deal because yeah. And it doesn't even have to be a deal from just like a pure monetary standpoint. Right. It's just like a good buy from a enjoying the game standpoint of I'm going to have more chances at it. And I'm going to feel like I'm having a better time because I have a better chance because I have Rom and or Scheffler in my lineups. So that, that's also how I look at it a bit too. It's not just about the money, 
It's about how do I like maximize the the experience of playing DraftKings Rainmakers for the dollars that I'm spending. I think one other thing I'll add here, and you know, I'll get into a little more of this on Wednesday if you guys all have questions on things like this. But one thing that I have focused on and have seen happen is people keep sort of leveling up from core contests into rare as these pack party contests are out there and as packs are available or as they pull some some good good cards from packs and one thing that that sticks out to me from way back when week one of rainmakers was trying to play at a level that you're really comfortable with I am probably playing a smidge over my head in my bankroll comfortably and the elite, but I now have enough pieces that I've been adding some rare golfers that are bolstering my elite lineup. So I added a Scotty and it just made sense for the investment the amount of investment that I had into Rainmakers. And I'm trying to take that lens that I want to get the best sweat out of the money that I've put in so far. And I don't think you can really get tons and tons of equity back out with uh, the marketplace right now. And I think we always knew that. And if there's a window or two to sell, you want to hit those windows and you probably want to be a little earlier to selling than later because the prices can just change, change drastically a, a pack drop like we had last week where there were legendary pack legendary cards in a $99 pack brings the market down in a significant way. And I understand it both from the operator side and the people that are playing the gameplay. There's really no exactly perfect, um, method for this. So I think you you want to think about adding good golfers. If you're adding the likes of a ROM or a Scheffler, you want to add that tier where you could play them up. You know, you, if you want to, you want to add a rare to play up at elite and you know, I'm not going to captain them, but that's okay. I'm still getting the sweat out of it. I'm still getting the enjoyment out of it. And that's going to give you more access to the potential upside of, you know, a lineup hitting. And then if you're in rare, you want to add a Scotty and a ROM core and you want to try to split them. You want to try to get a couple of lineups together with, with those kind of guys. So I think that just makes the most sense. It, it's still, I don't think you need to have them as captains. Of course, if you have them and you want to play them as captains, awesome. Or if there's a week where your elite portfolio doesn't look great and then you can captain a ROM or a Scotty in rare, like that's awesome. I think you have the ability then to take down the top prizes. So I've been thinking about like what lineups are live and what constraint, what constraints people are facing at each level for how they're leveling up and what, what their lineups look like. And I think it's okay. It's okay for me. In my opinion, I play my Scotty up and I play my Patty Cant Pat Patrick Cantlay up this week uh, from the rare into the elite. And that makes my rare lineups worse, but that's okay. I'm playing for one lineup mostly. I'm playing, you know, 75%, 80% to sweat one lineup and sweat my best lineup because I think that's what it takes to take to take down these Rainmakers prizes. And uh, yo, know, the other the other lineups are you're embracing golf variants. You know, the lineup that wins the elite contest, Mark Hubbard, Emilio Negrillo, Mav McNeely, Aaron Rye, Adam Shank. On Thursday or on Wednesday night, I could have seen that lineup in our Discord and someone been like, should I enter this in pack party or should I enter this in, you know, the the, the guaranteed contest? And I think you, you wouldn't have been wrong either way with that lineup ahead of the tournament. It just so happened to me that B, that variance struck and this person had the lineup that ran up the board. So that can happen in golf. It hasn't happened a ton this year where the chalk has really failed. But when you get five, six guys in the top 15 all miss the cut, all of a sudden percentages change a lot for who has five of five golfers through the cut. And when that happens, if you have five of five, you can easily run up the board with 
things like streaks, birdies, the, the all rounds under 70, like um, Hubbard had for this war, war rider guy. So I think that that happens and that's golf variants in a nutshell. All right. I think that covers it for colonial. Let's get into Memorial played at Muirfield village has been played at Muirfield visit village since its inception. This is Jack Nicholas's version of Augusta in Ohio. Always wanted a tournament himself to put on to run. That was invitation only that felt like the masters that was a bit smaller than a normal PGA tour field. And it, that's all, that's everything that this tournament is 120 golfers all by invitation only really, really stacked field and it gets elevated status. So if you got an invite, you'll want to be here. I think some of the only players that you know aren't here are guys that are prepping really hard for the U S open, maybe guys that have played too many weeks in a row, or if you happen to be Max Homa and your sister's getting married this weekend, I know Max had a good tweet that said he'd, he'd want to be there, but he's going to go hang out with his sister during his wedding. So some crazy stuff like that. But really, if you're getting an invitation to Memorial, you're playing an, a really awesome second shot golf course probably will play pretty similar to colonial where you can actually spray it a bit more off the tee, but your second shots just have to be so precise to really small and undulated greens. Uh, so I, I see around the green play coming into, into the mix a little bit more here. And yeah, if, if, if you run the numbers, Scotty Scheffler is going to be somewhere near the top of the board around the green play and law and, and iron play, which nobody's going to grade out better than Scotty in those couple of categories. So uh, interested to see, where the quote unquote chalk of the week goes as we have more content come out there. And as we start to build lineups, but it's going to be a tournament where you're going to need a couple of guys near the top of the odds board. If you want to feel good about your lineups, the odds board is Scheffler and Rom sort of by themselves plus 650 for Scotty plus 700 for John Rom course history master himself, Patrick Cantlay plus 1000 Rory Xander and Hovland after that rounding out, uh, the uh, under sub two plus 2000 odds Rory at 1200 Xander at 1400 and Hovland at 1800 at, as opening odds TJ who do you like this week what are you thinking about and uh, you know what what's tickling your fancy for Muirfield Village yeah there's a pretty clear top three in the guys that you mentioned Scheffler Rom and then Patrick Cantlay Patrick Cantlay's course history is just pretty nuts T3 last year one, two years ago, although that was the year when John Rahm 100% would have won, but had to unfortunately withdraw in the fourth round. But he did yeah, had COVID. What, what was it, a six-shot lead that he had or something? Yeah, Insane. he was like, up he, by a mile. Yeah, he yeah was I mean, Rahm's, so yeah, Rahm's course history the last three years is T10 last year, basically would have won in 2021 and then won it in 2020. So, yeah. you know, Rahm... It's just it's just a course that really fits Rom's game, and you know Cantlay as well. Uh, he's won it two of the last four years. Fourth place back in 2018. Worst finish in the last five years is is a T32. So and not surprising, right? It's it's a course where you want those guys with the the all around game, guys that as you already mentioned can good around the greens, can get up and down for pars. So those those three for sure stand out at at the top of the board and the odds reflected accordingly. Um, as we get a little, a little further down, I think there's, there, there's no, I don't think there's any like clear slam dunks in the mid range, which I think is kind of nice. I think they all have things that, that you could look at as good and things that, 
you know, maybe not so good. I don't know. So Sung JM, for example, right? My like intuitive thought is this is the Sung J kind of course. We like him on more difficult courses where it's a lot about just, you know, hitting fairways, getting on the green, two putting, getting up and down when you can. And Sanjay, of course, coming off a missed cut last week. So maybe not in the the truest of recent forms in, in people's eyes. So maybe people are fading him a bit. And then, uh, you know, you also look at his course history, finished T10 last year, which makes a ton of sense and is what I respect, but then missed the cut the two previous years and finished T57 the year before that. So it's kind of like, okay, well, yeah. Game fits the course theoretically. Course history, for whatever reason, not quite matching up. Uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick, I kind of feel the same way about. He got third place here back in 2020, but then has missed the cut each of the last two years since. So that's another one where it's kind of, uh, you know, not, not not totally a slam dunk, totally clear here. Siwoo Kim has some decent course history at this spot. I mentioned course history more than I typically do because like you said, it's been played here every year. And and to me, this is, there's a couple courses and tournaments that are just like course history. You have to at least be aware of it. And I think this is, is certainly one of them. It was also, what was it two years ago where they played, they played this course twice. And uh, the one time it played like, what, what else did they play it in? Yeah. I can't remember the event that it was. It, really, was it like a president's cup or something like that? It uh, might have, nah. yeah. Well, it wasn't a major. It wasn't a major, but it was, no, it wasn't a major. Think. It was, some it sort was of president's cup playing really like hard. That. They yes. like, they like juiced it up even extra. And it was, I know this is a bit of a tangent, but it was just kind of a crazy. I think they played it back to back weeks too, or maybe, maybe one week off in between, but it was just like the craziness of what you can do to a golf course that like, four days apart they can play totally different so i just i just always remember that when i think of this course but uh yeah i mean basically look you want you want guys that that have the all-around game um and guys that yeah i think i'll be like you said looking at around the green stats a bit more than i typically would this week and that's you know victor hovland i feel like is somebody that that we like to talk about on this show but i don't love him this week because of that thing like that's where his his struggles typically come and his results at this at this course reflected. He's made the cut every time, which Victor Calvin kind of always makes the cut just because of his ball striking, but hasn't finished better than 47th. Um, so you yeah, you really do need need someone that that has that around the green game. And um, yeah, those are just a, a couple of the guys that that I'm looking at. Thigala, I I find interesting here as well. He's been been playing pretty decent and it is is you know kind of shaping up to be someone who is good around the greens and can make the putts when he needs to is off the tee game is, is kind of the, the worst part of his game right now, but maybe he can get away with that here. So I've been, been keeping an eye on him. Yeah. He's 96 in this field and strokes gains off the tee last 50 rounds, which is surprising, but um, has the rest of the game to round it out. So uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a fun tournament. So yeah, I know I, I threw some names out there, but that's just kind of my, my initial looks at the board who I've been checking out. We'll hold TJ's feet to the fire by the end of the show. We'll get a winner's pick from him, but great. I, I mean, I love the analysis. I think it's a really fun or a really torturous week to build lineups because I think when you look in this mid tier, you're absolutely right. You could find things you love about each and every one of these guys, but you could find things you absolutely hate about all of these guys. And I actually, you know, you, you picked out somebody, Sanjay M. I really struggle on Sanjay to find things that I hate about Sanjay M, but he went over to Korea 
and won a tournament the week before the major comes back from the major comes back for the PGA misses the cut, misses the cut again on a hard golf course last week. So he's got two missed cuts. I think maybe the travel, maybe a lot of golf, not sure exactly what it is, but this is going to play as another really hard golf course. And you're not going to get any easy shots. You're not going to have that many shots where you can kind of just lay it in there. You're going to get 10, 12 feet for birdie. And it's going to be kind of simple. You're going to get undulated greens, So it's going to be hard putting. It's going to be, you know, putting the spot, putting the ball in the right spot, thinking about your miss. And I'm just not sure that his, you know, couple of missed cuts right now are looking great, but maybe it's the perfect kind of week for Sanjay. That's the best thing about the mid tier as you can kind of just always talk yourself out of and into Hideki too. I mean, Hideki has got to be another one that there's a Decky course. I know he's had some injury, whatever's, but like his results have been fine and he's playing well. And this is a a pretty good course from him. He has some decent enough history finished six, a couple years ago. So, uh, yeah, that that kind of mold of of golfer, I think, is really what we're we're looking at this week, and it's been pretty consistent with what we've been looking at the past couple of weeks. Like we talked about, when you have, you know, I think the the mold of golfer when you're in like a difficult field, difficult course, is simply different than a birdie fest, where like you just want the guys that can bomb it out there and and make as many putts as possible. So not not too dissimilar from the the prototype we've been looking at last week at colonial previously at the pga championship we'll be talking about a lot of the same guys in two weeks for the u.s open like memorial i kind of think of as like a u.s open light prep in a bit yep and uh, i agree and i think that colonial is trying to do more like the memorial has done i think that's just kind of what these golf courses are seeing this the pga championship did it colonial is doing it Muirfield village has done it so i i I do like the way things shape up a couple other guys i'll mention and i'm gonna dig into these guys a good bit but at first look and i'm interested in your take here you mentioned my guy sibu kim Love his course history. He seems to play really well around here. Two guys, two other guys in this bottom end mid tier that I think are very, very interesting plays, not only for this week, but for going forward. No one seemingly giving Adam Scott any credit for his play this year. Um, yes, he hasn't had elite winning upside, but Adam Scott, Tita Green, has been really, really, really strong. And I think he's a golfer that has pedigree and likes to play these hard golf courses. He plays them well. He's always around at Augusta. He's always around in majors. His putting is always a question, but like I seem, he seems to be settling in based on what I've seen. I think he feels really comfortable, feels confident. And yeah, I don't know that he can win this golf tournament because of Scheffler, Rom, can't lay guys above him, but I think he's a perfectly viable fantasy option. And I think his price is fairly solid in terms of rainmakers, but there's a guy like maybe even a little more. I don't have him in my portfolio and I'm a little bit sad about it, but I know you like this guy. Shane Lowry. I love Shane Lowry's form here. I think his recent form is coming around. He was sort of like in this slump that maybe he's found himself out of or finding himself hitting his way out of. He's, uh, you know, I I mentioned pedigree a lot and guys that are like professional, professional golfers, because I think that matters at tournaments like this. You need to know what it takes to make two or three bogeys in a row and know how to get on the cut line and play well. And I, 
I mean, rookies just don't do that well. And there's more and more quote unquote rookies on the tour playing these elevated events every single tournament. And I'll take a guy like Lowry who has just played in so many of these kind of events, knows how to play golf where you said you hit an approach shot to 15 feet. Yeah. You give it a birdie run, but you know, you're happy to just knock in a par or two. And I could see Lowry, you know, playing if this golf tournament plays hard if this course plays hard i think that plays better for shane lowry uh so i like lowry a good bit and i was looking at his pricing 19 dollars for a rare and his his uh his elite must have just got bought up it was under 100 bucks i think it was 98 bucks low ask looks like it's 110 right now as of the recording this but you know, i like lowry as a guy who's going to play a lot more events going to play a lot more of these elevated events and someone who has some solid upside this week i think yeah, nineteen dollars is a great price for him at at the rare tier. So, fully on board with Larry and someone that you're gonna, you know, be able to look to in the U.S. Open and and the Open as well later later down the line here. So I like that as a nice value buy for this week. Awesome. Yeah. I, I guess the only other couple things I'll mention, Mark Hubbard gets into the form, gets into the, uh, into the tournament late. I believe Aaron Rye also gets into the tournament late with some withdrawals guys who've been playing pretty good as of recent, you know, as I look down the board, this will be one of those weeks where it's, it's pretty tough to pick long shot winners uh, and long shot, even long shot guys that, you know, shape up fantasy wise. When you get past this mid tier, you can just find tons of things that go wrong with golfers. So I'd be looking at your portfolio and just kind of being happy with playing the guys that you have in your portfolio after the mid tier and just hoping you strike variance on the right side of it. Um, you know, when that happens, you can you can do a lot of good things with golf variants if they happen to make a cut and then you're getting points on Saturday and Sunday. So yeah, nothing really stands out too too much to me in this long shot tier. As always, the Tuesday article, I'll pick out somebody who I like uh, with pretty long odds. But uh, yeah, I think you can always find something wrong with some of this game. Uh, but yeah, look for look for more from me. Uh, today's article that'll be out later today for a long shot pick. Anybody you like beyond the mid range? I know you're you're uh, not a, not a specialist when it comes to these long shot guys, but anybody that stands out to you that you like? Let's see. I'm taking a look now. Chris Kirk catches my eye. Don't mind him. Um, Brian Harmon is kind of always someone in this range that that I like not really a high upside guy, but somebody if you're looking to, to, you know, round out your five and, and get someone who has a, a good shot at making the cut. I, I like Harmon for that. Someone who's, who's good on around the greens, scrambling, that kind of thing. Eric Cole uh, m- missed the cut this past week, but, but he's someone who has, has performed quite well and uh, also has some, some really strong, approach and around the green stats so he's not very great off the tee but sixth in the field around the greens 19th in approach so uh, another value guy down there so th- those are some people on on my radar i i do agree i i don't see anyone from the bottom of the board winning although hey billy horschel won last year so anything can happen although and i i i've i've been a billy horschel guy in the past but i can't be a billy horschel guy right now i mean he's yeah he, he, don't, he doesn't got it right now. Like it's been a while since he's he's got it. So I cannot in good conscience tout Billy Horschel right now. I know some people were talking about him and his all his funky 
swing and pre-shot routine. I mean, his putting routine literally looks impossible to repeat. That's how uncomfortable it looks like. But, you know, sometimes you're just trying to catch lightning in a bottle and maybe Billy does it at a course and at a place that he likes and has had success at. We have seen it happen before, but I totally agree. Based on pure statistics, based on pure data, pretty hard to uh, back uh, Billy Horschel right now and we'll see how the rest of the season goes. All right. I think we've done a pretty good job talking about the entire board, recapping Colonial, giving you some insights on Memorial. It's time, TJ. Give us the winner. He's got two in his belt so far. A little bit of uh, it's hard to hit golf winners, guys. It's impossible to hit golf winners. Give us the golf winner. The chat's gonna roast him if he goes too high up the uh, the odds board. So that say, makes it a yeah, little we've, hard. You know, he's we've trying been to trying to we've been trying guys. to balance it out the past two or three weeks and that's why we're not winning and you know there's there's a guy in this field who's had success at this tournament in the past he he finished 50th at the pga championship so he's been sitting at home stewing on that watching this other guy scotty scheffler and being like i'm better than him i'm the number one golfer in the world these guys are on podcasts talking about this scotty guy like he's better than me the king, John Rahm, comes back with a vengeance, gets another win at the memorial. We're going chalk, ladies and gentlemen. John Rahm, your champion this weekend. I can't, I, I, I can't pass up on him in this spot. And I really do think that this is a tournament where where picking a long shot is is harder. So I will, uh, you know, m- m- figure like once a month, give myself a pass to go chalk on the winner pick, and I'm going to elect that once a month here and go with John Rahm as the winner. I don't think I could say anything better to close out the show than TJ talking about John Rahm's 50th performance at the PGA championship. So that is going to do it for the recap and preview show. I'll talk to you all tomorrow for the Wednesday lineup builder and listener question show. And until then build your lineups, head on over to our site, otmnft.com, get them together, get ready for another awesome golf tournament this week. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you guys all tomorrow later on.